Good morning. Okay, so the scene where we're going to start this morning was a pool, a public pool in Northern California, and I was six years old. Over the course of two or three weeks, I had worked up the courage to finally make my way over, climb up the ladder, to ascend to where the air was thin, to the top of the high dive at the local pool. So I stood there on the end of the board, like so many of us in this room have at one end of our life, or, and I started walking out delicately, not to rock the board or any, to shake it or a little, not to bounce it. And I stood at the end with my toes curled over the edge, looking down into the abyss of the water in front of me. And I stood there. And I stood there a little bit more and I started having some of my friends harp at me. You know how like the, the live on the ragged edge of life, six-year-old world. I'm hearing stuff now from the line and I'm looking down and it's so far. It is so much different than the low dive and I just froze. And then finally the lifeguard said something and then everything kind of went blurry and I couldn't do it. And so I began my own six-year-old walk of shame back to the end. And, you know, you've already got a kid like halfway up the ladder on the diving board, right? So that kid had to get down. And then I climbed down. And then, of course, there's the line and the fence. And I had to kind of get through there. And I went back and I sat on my little towel defeated because I couldn't make the jump. It was too big of a risk. It was too much for my six-year-old little self to do. Fast forward 40 years to last week, and I had the privilege of being with a hundred plus of our high school students at our houseboat trip that we call Roque Yagua, which is rock and water in Spanish. So we were down there, nine boats over the course of the Bull Shoals Lake, and our kids are loving this. If we could fire that slide, it would be awesome. And um, we had a drone this year that the boat truck brought out, and that's where this picture comes from that flew over and captured everything. And much different than my six-year-old world, we had students flying off these 65-foot cliffs, skying into the air, and that really is as big as it looks. Or as the high dive looked to me back from my six-year-old perspective. <laughs> and yes, we did have those 20 to 30-minute stints of students standing there with their toes on the edge of the cliff, looking down, calculating the risk, wondering what it was going to be like to finally summon enough guts to go off that edge. But they jumped. And when they left the edge of that cliff at point nine at Bull Shoals Lake in Arkansas... Unless you were Wiley E. Coyote and you could defy gravity, there was no turning back when they left the edge of that cliff. This morning in 2HC style, I'd love for us to noodle a little question with ourselves or with those to our left and our right. And the question is this. It's a summer question. What is the biggest thing you have ever jumped off? And in one word, how did it feel when you were in the air? What's the biggest thing? So was it a bridge? Was it a high dive? Was it a 20-meter board platform? Um, was it a cliff? 
What's the biggest jump you've ever made? And in one word, how did it feel? Noodle that with the person to your right and left as we continue this morning. Alrighty, I'm going to pull this back together. This, this week, this week when we were gathered back with some of those same high school students that I was with in Bull Shoals, um, I put this same question to them. Some of the feelings, some of the one-word answers were exhilarating, free, relief, wild, gratifying, surreal, breathless, alive. Life-giving, loved, weightless, refreshed, out of control. What was your word that you had, or you could share your neighbors on their behalf. What was your word that described what it was like when you left the board, the cliff, the bridge, the platform? Let's just fire some of those out. Scared. Terrified. Gut-wrenching. Great one. Challenging. What was that one? Rush, like a total rush of energy and everything coming together. Exhilarating. Fun. Soaring. Screaming. Fearless. Think about those words. And what if those words that we just spoke aloud, what if those were the very words that we used to describe our relationship with God. Think about that for a second. In the context of the passage that Mick and Ronnie read from us, read for us this morning from Romans 6, which clearly has a let go and jump vibe to it, of leaving this old dead-end way of living to this new, fully alive rhythm of moving toward Jesus. What would it look like for you and for me If those exhilarating, wild, out of control, if those cliff jumping words told the story of what it was like for us to be in relationship with Jesus. Think about that. Romans 6, we're going to breeze through this with a lightning fast exegesis this morning. The first uh, three verses of this passage that Mick and Ronnie read for us, I love the message version. Because it talks about us literally packing up our bags and moving from a country of a dead-end way of life to a new country of grace and freedom. Verses 3 through 5 talk about us jumping into the water, the waters of baptism, and rising up as a new person in Christ. The last three verses, 6 through 11, is a call to leave this dead-end cul-de-sac way of life for a fully alive adventure in Jesus. Now, flashing back to our week when the houseboats down at Bull Shoals Lake, 
It was our 12th year of doing this adventure trip. And every year is a different story. But there's one common thread that goes through every single one of the trips that we experience with our students. And it usually comes in a form of a question like this. Dave, how do I do this following Jesus thing so that I can be in relationship with him? How do I do this following Jesus thing so that I can be in relationship with him? Or what steps do I need to take in my relationship with Jesus so that I can be able to grow into the person that he knows I can be? Or what does it mean for me in a spiritual sense to have my toes on the edge of the platform of the cliff or the bridge or the cliff and to literally let go and trust God as I fly through the air following him? One of um, our friends of many of us hold in the room is a gal named Adele Calhoun. And Adele served here for a number of years as a pastor at our church and as a spiritual director and is a friend to so many of us. And Adele, when she thinks of what do we need to do to move in the re- direction of being in deeper relationship with Jesus, Adele recognizes four ways of living or four movements or intentions that need to be present in our life. And so we're going to use Adele's little list as a template this morning for moving from the dead end, stuck in sin way of living that we hear about in Romans 6 to a fully alive way of traveling with Jesus. The four things that Adele says are this, and it's simple and complex at the same time. First of all, we need to show up. Secondly, we need to pay attention. Third, we need to tell the truth. And fourth, we need to not be attached to the outcome. Show up, pay attention, tell the truth, not be attached to the outcome. Now, there's a complexity that lurks behind the simplicity of these four movements, of these four ways of living. And this morning, I'd like to take the next little bit for us to weigh into each one of these movements so that we can walk away from here this morning going, okay, God, As I take these next steps into summer, this is what I need to do to be in relationship with you at a whole different level. You guys ready to roll through four of these? Nods of yes, I am, Dave, and I can't wait. The first, I know, Glenn Johnson here just doesn't even know what to do with himself. He's so excited right now. Um, The first is that we need to show up. Jesus' followers build their schedule around being with God's people and weekly worship is priority number one. We build our schedule around being around God's people because we know that's going to help us be in relationship with God and his people at a whole new level. A few years ago, probably like, gosh, my seven or eight years ago, um, our Christchurch staff went into a process And we had a long and lengthy mission statement here at Christ Church that we couldn't recite at gunpoint or couldn't be understood, you know, by a six-year-old. And we needed to kind of get our hands around what we needed to do at Christ Church so that we could be, as a congregation, in deeper relationship with Jesus and one another. 
So over the course of about four months, we had these staff meetings full day, twice a month, where we pressed into these issues. And as we did this with a, as a staff, and as we tried to go from complicated to simple, three words started bubbling up. The words worship, grow, and serve. And they've become a part of our language around here and our mission statement as you see it on the screen on either side of the room. The punchline behind these three words was ridiculously simple. Here was the idea as it, as it rolled out eight years ago that as Jesus followers, if we're going to be here at Christ Church, we're going to spend an hour a week in worship with God's people. We're going to spend an hour a week on some sort of growth opportunity. And that worship plus the grow is going to push us in a way where we would serve in the community that we live. And that could be anything from what we're doing over at the soup kitchen to breakthrough urban ministries in Garfield Park to being a little league coach to being on the PTA, whatever it is, that we would spend an hour in worship, an hour in a growing opportunity so that that would result in an hour of serving. Worship, grow, and serve. The essence in a very simple rhythm of what it means to show up. Number one, we need to show up. Number two, we need to pay attention. God speaks to us in three ways. He speaks to us through his word that Mick and Ronnie read for us this morning. He speaks to us through those with whom we do life, our friends, our family. And he speaks to us through the very regular, sometimes exhilaratingly fly-through-the-air happy moments of our life, as well as the pain and the suffering and the hurt that we all experience. God speaks to us through his word, through one another, and through the events of our day. So if God is speaking to us in this way, the challenge on our heart is to slow down enough. I'm like, this could be a message for Dave right here. To slow down enough that I can hear his voice through his word, through the people that I'm walking through this life, and as well as what happens in my day. So I need to spend regular time in God's word if I'm going to pay attention to what's going on around me. I need to gather with fellow Christ followers that can help me listen for the voice of God. And as I do those two things, it's going to be far more possible that as I move through my day, I'm going to see different sightings, God sightings, if you will, of his presence in the work and the world around me. God is here and present. His Holy Spirit is ready to move in and to take residence in our lives. However, it's a quiet voice that takes the pace of our life into consideration. If we're flying through this life, we're not going to be able to pay attention. Think of it this way. You're driving down the freeway. It's, you're screaming along at 55 plus miles an hour, and you've got a friend in a car next to you. And you decide that you need to talk in and check in with that friend. So you roll down the window of your car and they roll down and you start trying to talk to each other. And we all know if you've ever tried to do this, not suggesting that you do this, that it's going to be very, very hard with the air flying by, with the noise of the car, with the suction of the inside pressure, everything that's going on. To be able to hear in that moment, it's going to be quite a challenge, if possible at all. You might pick out a word and that's it. The same is with us and God. We need to slow down and listen. That's the essence of what it means to pay attention because God speaks to us 
in these three wonderful ways, and it's happening all the time. It just seems that our life sometimes is screaming along at a 55 mile an hour plus rate, and we miss it. So we need to show up, pay attention. The third is a tough one. We need to tell the truth. So do you notice there's a uh, kind of a progression going on here? The first one is show up, put ourselves in a place where we can listen, where we can pay attention. And the result of those is that we would be able to take those baby steps and move Jesus into controlling the center of our lives so that we have the ability through the presence of him inside of us, his Holy Spirit, to tell the truth. That we would live lives that are true, that are wonderful, that don't contradict the very faith that we have in Christ. And telling the truth is not an easy thing to do. It's something for all of us, we have different degrees of how well we actually do it. For me, when I'm under huge pressure and the things seem to be crashing down on me, the first thing I do in a dark way is flip over and try and spin the truth a little bit and maybe make it the way I want it to be disinviting God out of the center of what we're trying to do here and putting me in the center of my little shrinking world. Telling the truth is huge business. And without the Holy Spirit present in the life of the Jesus follower, it really is against the grain of who we are as human being type people to tell the truth. A few weeks ago, uh, Dan Meyer was in here on Pentecost Sunday, and he was telling the story using the visual of a house, of what it means for us to invite the Holy Spirit to take residence in our life. And if you're here that morning, there was something very subtle that happened. As Dan went, first the porch light turned on, and then a couple lights went on downstairs. And then the side of the house lit up, and then the window up at the... um, apex of the building and then eventually the whole house was lit up when this happens in our life this kind of holy spirit coming in and taking the center seat of what's going on the light that is splashed around in the proverbial house of our lives begins exposing things begins pointing out okay maybe that was a half truth and maybe that seemed fully true and fully right and fully ethical but Maybe now that there's some light splashed on that, it needs to be done in a different way if we're going to lean into the reality of fully telling the truth. God brings people alongside of us. He brings his word alongside of us. In the midst of two of those, they, I really believe that they help us edit our life. The journey as a Christ follower isn't an individual journey. It's a journey of having God and his people speaking to us. God speaking through the words of a close friend or the words of a mentor or a friend or a family member to help us edit our lives, to help us with the Holy Spirit to begin to tell the truth at a level that isn't possible on the human level. It's only possible with God inside of us. Friends help us edit our lives. God's word Help us, helps us tell the truth. Helps us with the light to see our blind spots. So we've got those first three, and they result in the fourth movement, which is to not be attached to the outcome. Or, as I would say this, God, I am fully giving you control 
over my life step. Mick and Ronnie read the first part of Romans 6, 1 through 11 in the message with the beautiful imagery of relocating and taking up a new way of life. I want to read verses 12 through 14 now that are the punchline of this section of Scripture and Paul's instructions on us on how to move forward. Here's how it continues to roll. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So this not being attached to the outcome or the fourth step in this way of moving toward Jesus. With this step, fully alive Jesus followers are not in the habit of asking God to bless their plan. They're not in the habit of taking an end result and backing off and asking God to help them get there. But they're wildly, mysteriously comfortable with jumping with leaving the predictable, the secure diving board cliff or edge and trusting God when they have to make a life-changing decision at work, at home. When they get caught at a crossroads and they don't know how to move, how to proceed, there's this mysterious, wild comfort that probably has a lot of the words that we all spoke from the room about flying through the air, present, in the life of the believer. Yes, is there, there's still anxiety. There's still like the, the butterflies in the gut. There's still that human side of it. But it works in pairing with a comfort and a peace from the Holy Spirit. It moves in a way beyond what you and I can do without the presence of God in our lives. It helps us move out of the safety zone And take those feet and put them on the edge and not do the little walk that I talked about at the beginning, but to actually launch into the air like we saw those pictures from our students this past week. So this morning, we talked about what we need to do so that we can be in a deeper relationship with Jesus. And in the midst of that, My question, I guess, for myself as I've been writing this and sitting with this all week um, is which movement is Jesus trying to get my attention with here? Yes, this seems ridiculously simple, but the complexity of fully trusting Jesus is like layers of an onion that you just keep peeling back over and over and over again. And when you think you've gotten to one layer, there's a whole nother thing that is going on from there. Out of these four, which one is popping to the surface for you? Which one is it like glaring in a current situation that you're going on in your life that you're trying to control and manage to a safe, predictable outcome? Is Jesus saying, you know what? With that, if you put me in the center of this thing, it's going to go a completely different way. But that's going to be okay. Because that's what it means to trust me with everything you've got. So how should we move? How should we jump? 
How should we trust Jesus like never before? The very first passage of scripture I ever memorized is found um, two books forward from Romans in the, Paul's letter in 2 Corinthians to the folks in Corinth. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Friends, dead and living is out and it is done. Fully alive, jumping into the unknown is the way of life that Jesus is calling you and me to today on this moment, on this summer day, on June 22nd, 2014. Would you pray with me? Father God, sometimes when we try and answer the question of what do we need to do to be in deeper relationship with you, um, we can feel like we're standing in a place where we're alone, where we're stuck, where we're out on the end of that diving board wondering if we will ever be able to jump. And God, this morning, we pray that you would give us your little nudge. That you would help us to recognize, you know, do we need to look at the way that we show up with you and with your people? Do we need to make some changes there? God, are we struggling just to pay attention to your movement around us, paying attention to those that are close to us in our lives? paying attention to those who we might share the life-giving words of your gospel with. God, we pray that you would, to whatever degree we're struggling this morning, help us to believe you, to invite your Holy Spirit into the center of everything that we are so we could honestly tell the truth. At home with our kids and with our spouse and in the workplace and in the classroom, with our roommates as we get ready to make a transition to college, with ourselves, God, that we would be true and honest with how we're living our life. God, help us not to be attached to the result, but help us to trust you, to trust you as a child, jumping into the arms of a great God. Lord, help us not to be attached to the outcome, but to realize that you're, you've got the plan, God, that will take us where we need to go. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, we want to live a life that's fully alive. Help us through your Holy Spirit to see clearly today what that looks like. And we love you and we thank you. And God's people said, amen.